Good morning. Happy Mother's Day or um, happy bra day if you are the mother of a young adolescent because a lot of times we hear bra more than mom. So shout out to all of you. I see you if you're here. Um, Mother's Day really did just feel like an appropriate day to highlight our partnership with Restore Network. Um, we are a partnership with Restore Network, and for those of you who are not familiar, uh, Restore Network is a wonderful agency who helps uh, foster families and children as they thrive together while uh, continuing to pursue reunification, right? The goal is always to restore the family, and that obviously is implied in the name. Um, but our partnership with Restore means that we uh, take an active role in supporting the great work that Restore Network is doing. And so one of the ways that we do that, we are working to do that all year long. But in May, we since May is Foster Care Awareness Month, we do try to, uh, at least one Sunday out of that month, highlight our partnership and how you can be involved with the good work that Restore Network is doing. Um, I, I wanna keep this at the forefront of your minds because it is really easy, just bear with me for a moment, it's really easy for us to get busy doing our own things worrying about our own problems, and meanwhile, uh, children who are displaced and don't have a home are suffering. And not everybody is called to foster children, and so don't hear me saying you should all be fostering if you're not, you're terrible. Uh, certainly, we should explore whether or not we can and are willing to do that. I think it's important, and the need is massive, to say the least. But even if you're not uh, fostering, there are ways you can help, and it's so desperately needed. What you can do matters significantly in helping Restore Network to go and to thrive. And so here are just some ways that we want to highlight that you can be a part of the good work of Restore Network. Um, they're, they're on the screen. I know that's painfully small, but I'm going to read it to you. And then if you want to try to scan that QR code, that can take you to the next steps if you're interested in pursuing one of these things. So really quickly, um, one way that you can help is by serving on the respite team. So the respite team serves to provide a breathing room for a foster family as you walk intimately alongside them for six months. As you can imagine, foster families need a break. They need time. Parents need time to themselves. They need time to, to kind of recollect and regroup. And so you, as a, as a respite worker, would walk alongside a specific family for six months, and you would be on call to to go to the house and keep kids for date night or to keep kids for a weekend while mom and dad have some much needed time away. Um, and that's kind of a, um, a sweet spot for those of you who might not be ready to commit to fostering full time um, or most of the time, but this is a way for you to kind of still be involved in, in that role. Uh, you may be asked to meet unique needs like providing childcare once a month, as I said, uh, so parents can enjoy an evening out. Uh, for those of you who are passionate about cooking and, and loving others through meals, there is a meal team. When a child is placed in a Restore Network-supported home, you will join a team of volunteers who deliver hot dinners as the family transitions. So family gets a phone call, they have a new placement, and... And I can just tell you on a normal Monday night, one little thing in my day goes unexpectedly and I'm like, we're eating out, that's it, we're eating out. <laughs> I had to do an extra thing today, we're eating out. Uh, that, that's very real for me. I don't know that any of you relate to that, so I'm feeling really vulnerable right now. But, but imagine getting that call that you now have a new placement 
How much of a blessing is it to receive a meal from someone else uh, that you didn't have to worry about? So that's part of what you would do as a person on the meal team. And I just think that's incredible. You can serve on the clothing team. As part of the clothing team, you'll deliver clothes to a foster home when a child is placed. Because as you may be aware, if a home receives a new placement, they don't necessarily have all the things that that child will need. You don't always know or ever know what age, gender, all of that that you're, of child that you're receiving. And so uh, the clothing team helps to deliver what a parent might need right then and there as a child is placed. This task might feel really small and simple, but one of the things that Restore highlights is that fresh clothing for a child is huge. It's very important in a child or for a child to receive some fresh clothing because it helps them to feel secure, welcomed, and loved. And we want to obviously encourage that. Um, for those of you who like parties and events, you can be on the event team because who doesn't love a great party? And so for kids in the Restore Network, events like Back to School Bash that happens every year, Parents Night Out, uh, Christmas Party, and monthly connect groups, these are highlights for kids who are a part of the Restore Network. And these events are not possible without the help of volunteers, lay leaders, just like you all, who are willing to say, yes, I will come help set up and decorate for the Back to School Bash. It's just a few months away, so get on that right now while you're thinking about it. Or yes, I will help wrap presents for the Restore Network Christmas party, or I can, can support um, connect groups by being a volunteer. One Friday night a month, I'm going to commit to supporting and volunteering to, to be a, a teacher for the connect groups, to, to play with the kiddos and, and watch them while mom and dad have some time with other foster parents. Um, so these are, this is an incredible way to help and support Restore Network. And finally, but certainly the most important, is being a part of the prayer team. Uh, as a dedicated prayer partner, you will receive a specific list of prayer requests each month for children and their families, which names are, of course, kept confidential. But you're receiving prayers and your prayer, or prayer requests, and your prayers make all the difference for those who are hurting, struggling, needing strength, uh, needing extra dose of patience, grace, all the things. And so that is a huge part that you can play as well. So my hope, my takeaway, why is this important? I hope that one of those things, just one of those things, if it sparked an interest or stood out to you, is that something I could do and that's something I would enjoy uh, capture that link on your phone or go to the Restore Network homepage um, and find a way to fill out that form, fill out that form and find a way to get involved. Um, they depend on us, and I think it's incredibly important. So thank you so much for hearing that, and uh, thank you for all you do as we partner with Restore Network. We're truly grateful. Amen. That's awesome. I think... It's good to acknowledge, while for many people it's a great, wonderful time to celebrate Mother's Day, for some people it's also really painful. And so we can hold both of those in tension, right? And also that there's, a, it's just a great opportunity to remember the kids who are being separated from their birth moms right now, or kids who need a, kind of a surrogate mom to step in and, and love them during this time. So we can be praying for them this morning. Amen. So um, good morning. So glad you're here. You guys can stand. We're going to sing. I'm just going to pray a really brief uh, blessing over us. God, we're so grateful for all the beautiful, wonderful moms in the room. And even the moms who aren't in the room who helped make these beautiful, wonderful people a reality. 
So we just thank you, God, for your beautiful gift that just keeps giving, that you have blessed us with the ability to partner with you in creating life. And God, we're just grateful for the relationships and the families. And when those things are healthy, they're just so beautiful. And when those things are broken, it can be so painful, God. But we're so grateful because you are always there in the things that are beautiful and joyful, but also in the things that are broken and painful. So we just invite you into that place this morning, God, whether we're celebrating or grieving or some of both. And God, we just thank you that you were called Emmanuel, God with us. And you are always with us. So we just want to acknowledge that today before we sing, that you're here and that you're real and you really care about us and you care about how we're feeling. So we bring that to you this morning and we just in all our best effort attempt to hold those things while we come to you in worship and just humble ourselves before you this morning, God, because in reality, we come here to bless you, but in the end, you end up blessing us. So we are humbled and grateful, God. Amen. Let's worship him together.
read this call to worship this morning from 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 through 5. It says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. Amen.
nothing can stand against. Oh yes, I will lift you high in the lowest valley. Yes, I will bless your name. Yes, I will sing for joy when my heart is heavy.
let this be our anthem.
one of those songs that I double, triple check to make sure my mic is turned off so as I'm belting out those words, nobody can hear how off key they are. I got really into it and that always makes me nervous. (laughs) Um, I'm so thankful that, you know, following Jesus, um, let me backtrack, following Jesus is such a a beautiful um, reality of this in which we still find, I'm trying to get my words out, we still find this tension between joy and grief. And today, I know that we are all very much in the the midst of that tension where we are still profoundly grieving, right? Our hearts are still heavy, and it almost makes it feel like, oh, it's so hard to to proclaim joy when there's still so much grief. But friends, can I say that both things can be true? Through the living, redeeming, ever-flowing work of Jesus and the love of Jesus, both things can be true. We can be profoundly sorrowful. Our hearts can be incredibly broken, and yet we can still sing about joy and and life and redemption in Christ. And as we look forward to that redemption being fully and completely realized with no more sin, no more grief, no more pain, no more death, no more sorrow, no more sickness, no more pain. We look forward to that reality. It's both now and not yet. And friends, we preach about that a lot. I talk about that a lot. You probably get really tired of hearing about it, this, the tension, the now and the not yet. But we, friends, whether you like it or not, we find ourselves in that tension today. We are here in that tension, and we are here. And, and as we were singing the song, um, as we were singing that our faith will not be shaken, as we were singing those words, I, I wrestled to get those words out because I believe that this faith in Christ is a firm foundation, but if I'm being honest, it's been shaken this week. And I know that I'm not alone. But I think there's a difference between being shaken 
and torn and broken and, and built, uh, taken apart brick by brick. I think there's a difference. And so I just wanted to let you know that if you're wrestling that, if, with that today, and if you're feeling like you're in two places at once, I see you. You're not alone. We're there. We're there together and, and holding together both grief and joy still to be found in the spirit in Jesus. And so as we enter into a time of prayer as a body, as a community, as a church family, let's go into this time knowing that we're all mixed up, that we're feeling all the emotions, but we are clinging to the hope of Jesus, who is the restorer of our faith and the giver of strength, friends. And I'm praying that he would restore our faith again today, that he would just continue to hold us while we're shaken, and that he would be our strength in these days. Would you pray that with me and let me pray that over you this morning? Let's pray. God, as I am preparing to preach a sermon on freedom in the spirit, I just find myself feeling so grateful that this freedom that I think we are given, this freedom gives us room to be right where we find ourselves today, acknowledging that we are in a strange place where we are feeling incredible grief and pain. And if we're being really raw and honest and vulnerable, we would say, but my faith has been shaken. But God, we, we live in your freedom and your love that can handle us acknowledging this reality, but also claiming and proclaiming that you are enough to handle these emotions and you are enough to hold us together when we feel like we're falling apart. So God, I thank you for the freedom that we have to just be honest and say, this is really hard and it feels really strange to be both so full of grief and pain and yet seeing about these realities of, of joy and redemption and grace and love. Sometimes this following Jesus business must seem strange to people. But Jesus, I'm so thankful for the hope we have in you. I'm so thankful for the hope that we have in you. And I'm so sorry for, for anyone who tries to get through these difficult times without your hope, without the strength that we find in you. I'm so grateful. We seem to touch on so many important things in all of the songs today. And I'm just so grateful that I see your hand in all of that. Nothing was, was perfectly coordinated. And yet, Jesus, I saw your hand in every single song and the themes and, and the truth that we are needing to proclaim and needing to hear today. God, I just... Um, I just continue to pray for Heather this morning, and for Melanie, and for Kenny, for Taylor, and for Curtis, and for Carrie and Tilly. God, we, we still sit in this with them today. 
we're not moving past this, this moment, but God, we still find ourselves right there with them, just feeling a, a, a tiny portion of the grief that they are feeling. And God, I have found myself feeling speechless so many times over the past week. I'm either saying the same thing over and over or just feeling completely speechless. I'm at a loss for words. I don't know what to say. But God, I I just thank you that you have brought us together, that it's times like this where our our faith community is is a safe place where we can just be honest and just look at one another and just know exactly how the other person is feeling or how they are doing. And together, Jesus, we can see you, even in the midst of our grief, as we talked about last week. Together, we can, can know, we can feel our hearts burning within, knowing that, that while even though we are still incredibly sad, our hearts had, are, are, are being broken, and we find ourselves saying things like the disciples on the road to Emmaus, we had hoped And even in the midst of of hope that has yet to be realized, you are there. Even when I don't see you, you are there. Even when we don't feel you by the goosebumps on our arms, you are there. And I know because I have seen you, I've seen your tears, I have felt your brokenness in the midst of this. Lord, you are you know what it means to lose friends and you yourself have been heartbroken. And so I know that you see us in that pain. And I also know that you are there to carry us through. So God, I I thank you for your faithfulness and I pray your continued faithfulness over the Peters family. I pray your presence profoundly felt over the Peters family. In the coming days, I pray your strength would be abounding in the Peters family. I pray that your peace would be abundant and unexplainable for the Peters family. I pray that your presence would be felt, experienced, palpable as they walk through the next few days. I pray that they would know that they don't walk alone I pray that they would know that they are seen, they are loved, and we are going to hold up their arms when they can't hold them up themselves. God, we will continue to proclaim your goodness and your faithfulness, and we hope to embody your presence and your love and your empathy God, just help us to be Christ to one another in these days. Help us to serve and love well in these days. Help us to be open to ways that we can love and serve and receive love in these days. Jesus, I pray that we would just continue to see you. Would you make yourself known to us? Holy Spirit, as we open up the word, 
I pray that you would make yourself known in a new and beautiful way. These words are, this is a, a message that is so, it feels so deep, it feels so, it's, it's gritty, it's, it's so dense, and Holy Spirit, I, I'm just so aware of my need for you to anoint these words and to go before me. I'm so profoundly aware that I can talk about these things all day long, but it's the lived experience that matters. It's our openness to you, Holy Spirit. It's our being receptive of the work of grace that you want to do in our hearts, in our lives. It's our willingness to walk in step with you that matters. And so however these words come out today, Holy Spirit, would you just help us to hear exactly what we need to hear? Each person, may they hear a message from you May it meet them right where they are and give them hope and freedom today. And may you continue to walk before us, beside us, and behind us as we seek to be in step with you in all that we do, both individually and congregationally. God, we love you and we praise your holy name this morning. Jesus, we thank you for your love. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your presence and your comfort today. And it's in your name we pray these things. Amen. Amen. Well, this morning we are going to be in Galatians chapter 4. If you want to open up your Bibles, we're going to kind of be all over the place. We're, I'm actually going to mention things from Galatians 2 and, and moving up to 4 and going on to 5 and and so, uh, just so you know, we're going to be a little all over the place, but there's going to be one cohesive theme here. Um, we are in the middle of a series. For those of you who have not been here, uh, in the past few weeks, we are in the middle of a series called Forgotten God, uh, nearing the end as we approach Pentecost Sunday. Um, and this series is, if it sounds familiar to you, it's probably because you've heard of the book by Francis Chan, Forgotten God, uh, reversing our tragic neglect of the Holy Spirit, which sounds really bold and almost scandalous. Uh, but it's just a beautiful book in which Francis Chan acknowledges that the church, the people of God who talk about being filled with the Spirit often fail to see the ways in which the Spirit is at work in their lives. And he, he highlights so beautifully and so simply the ways that the Spirit is at work, but how we often miss it. And so what you end up having is a, is a group of Christians, and this is not said in, don't receive this with shame, it's just the reality that, that a lot of times Christians are like, I don't even know what the Holy Spirit sounds like, I don't know how to recognize the Holy Spirit in my life. And we're often left feeling like, what does he even do? And is he even really present? Does he even exist? What is he even doing in my life? And, and so Francis Chan's book helps us to really get a glimpse that this is what the Holy Spirit does, and it's just a glimpse, and, and this is how we can better recognize it. And I'm, I'm not even getting close to, to doing the book justice, so I encourage you, if you're interested, to pick up the book and read through it. It's been really helpful for me as I try to bring some of these core themes to you all. And so that's where we are. And so today, um, as I said, we're going to be in the book of Galatians. And so let me kind of catch you up to, to where Paul is and, and what's going on between Paul and the church uh, in Galatia and what Paul is saying to them and kind of why he's saying these things to them. 
Uh, as Christianity begins to spread beyond Israel, remember Jesus has commanded the disciples to, to go. They are to move outside of Jerusalem, outside of Israel. They are to go into all the nations. And, and so as they are doing so, more and more Gentiles are beginning to become followers of Jesus, which is the whole point. <laughs> the whole point is to go and proclaim the gospel to all nations so that all can come and experience freedom and love and salvation found in Christ alone. The problem is, as Gentiles begin to fill the, the churches, if you will, as Gentile Christians find themselves in the company of Jewish Christians, we're talking about Jewish people who follow Jesus, right? They're trying to do life with Gentiles who are following Jesus. And we see that it doesn't take too long before these two groups come together that there is, is debate that breaks out among them. There are difficulties, there are conflicts, there is tension. And I know we don't really know a lot about difficulties doing life with other believers. We're just gonna hear it from Paul. That was a joke, by the way, you can laugh. We, we, are, we know, okay? We know that it's difficult to mesh with other believers. And I can only imagine, uh, we are all... <laughs> We are all the ones that have been grafted in. I can only imagine how difficult it would be for Jewish Christians to figure out how to walk with Gentile Christians. That would just be on another level from what we know or understand. But there's all this tension between them. And and this is pretty broad. It kind of, there's a lot of tension involved in a lot of different ways. But just some examples, you know, when it comes to food laws, there's a lot of disagreement on what one, what a Christian or a follower of Jesus ought to eat and what they ought to refrain from eating. And there's all this debate on circumcision and do we continue or do we not continue? And here's why you should and here's why we don't have to. And they just have a hard time seeing eye to eye on these things. And the Jewish Christians, they, they found themselves among those who are in the Galatian churches, and there is this discord, and that's what Paul is addressing in this letter. And, and Paul says a lot about the law. Paul acknowledges a lot about the law, and, and kind of before what we're going to get to today, he spends some time acknowledging that, but, but kind of Paul's focus is that in Jesus and through Jesus, not the law, we find freedom. And that's essentially what Paul is saying is that there is freedom to be found, but you're not going to find that freedom in the law, Jewish Christians. The law can be good and helpful, and, and I don't believe that he was saying, get rid of it, it's not, but he's saying that's not where your freedom is found. It's found only in Jesus. And, and so Paul seeks to, from kind of what I saw, to release Jewish Christians from the negative grip that the law has had on many of them. And he wants them to experience freedom. For instance, if you're thinking I'm off in crazy town, in chapter two, verses 21, he says specifically, if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. What's the purpose if, if your righteousness and your freedom is found through the law? And he goes on to acknowledge that that's not where freedom and full abundant life comes from. 
And so halfway through the third chapter, just to kind of catch us up quickly here, Paul describes the law using some interesting language. I, I was re-familiarized with this this week, and it just really struck me in a new way. Paul is using this interesting language, and he, he describes the law using this term of legal guardianship. And we are all familiar with what legal guardianship means. And Paul is essentially saying that until Christ came, the law served as a temporary legal guardian of sorts. And he says in chapter 3, verse 25, now that this faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. And so this is where, it's in this context then, that we find this powerful verse, this well-known verse in chapter 3 that we all know, that we quote often, but this is where this verse is found when Paul says, so in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. This is the well-known, well-quoted, or often quoted verse. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Not all one in and through the law. You are all one and and the, the playing field has been leveled only through Jesus, through his love, through his grace, through his salvation. And so then that brings us to chapter four. And Paul in chapter four acknowledges that God sent Jesus who was both fully divine, fully human, born of a woman, and even includes born under the law. Jesus subjected himself to being born under the law. And so Paul says, you Jewish Christians who are still being ruled by the law, you need to understand that you are now redeemed and you have been adopted adopted into this sonship, into this family through Jesus. And so before I lose you, I'm going to invite you to stand. We're going to read this this main chunk of the passage, Galatians 4, 6 through 7. And I want you to hear and receive these words. Paul says, because you are his sons and daughters, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. And the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave. Friends, you are no longer a slave, but you are God's child. And since you are God's child, since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. Friends, this is the good news of the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God, you may be seated. Now, Paul is using some very particular language, as he often does, that, that he knows his, his audience or his listeners are going to understand. He, he's using language that would send off little signals to his listeners. So for instance, when he uses the words sons and slaves, this is what we need to understand that the, the, the Christians in Galatia were, were understanding when they heard the words sons and slaves. You see, son was an identity, When you were a son, you were the recipient. You were going to receive an inheritance one day from your father. A son is is someone who is receiving something. You are are privileged enough to receive something. It's a a beautiful gift to know that, that you are a part of a family and you are the recipient of something amazing. 
And, and so then when he uses the word slaves, well, the, the, a slave is kind of on the other end of the spectrum because unfortunately in Paul's day, and, and we, we desperately grieve that even far beyond that, a slave was part of an inheritance. The slave didn't inherit anything. They were a part of an inheritance. And so we read these words with heaviness, with grief of this reality, that even though this is not a kingdom vision, this was the reality, that a son would inherit and a slave did not inherit but would be a part of the inheritance, and that's what makes Paul's language so profound. When he says there is neither uh, slave nor free, that's essentially saying that, that you're all the recipients now. Right, And so this language is part of that upside-down language that, that we saw with Jesus, that began with Jesus, and Paul is still flipping things upside down. The culture norm in Paul's day is now being reshaped and reimagined as the kingdom of God breaks in and through, saying that a slave is no longer a part of an inheritance or ought not to be part of an inheritance, but the slave is also part of the one who inherits. The slave is is redeemed and set free and is part of one who inherits. And so during Paul's time, this was the norm to have a slave as part of an inheritance, but in kingdom culture, a slave is no longer property, A slave is no longer something to be inherited or owned, but slaves are now among those who receive an inheritance because all are one, and the playing field has been leveled. Paul is saying, all of you, none of you are more worthy than the other. None of you, none of you have done anything to deserve or earn this. This is given to all of you freely. You are all now children of God. You are all one in Christ Jesus. You are all invited to receive this gift of love, this life in Christ, this freedom in Christ, this salvation found in Christ, and and freedom found in the life, death, and resurrection of Christ. That is a gift for all of you, is what Paul is saying. And maybe you're saying, well, that's that's great. That's, that sounds really great, but what does that have to do with the Holy Spirit? And what does that have to do with this series, Forgotten God and, and the Holy Spirit? And that's where we kind of get to the crux of, of where we're going with this today is that, friends, one of the gifts of receiving the Holy Spirit is this gift of assurance. Because I don't know about you, but I have often questioned my place in all of this and my uh, being deserving of any of it, right? I have often questioned that. Again, hope I'm not alone. I'm sure I'm not. I know I'm in good company. But one of the gifts that we have through the Holy Spirit is assurance. Listen, if what Paul is saying is so profound that we are all sons of God, that we are daughters of God, that we are all one, that we all belong to him, then then I, I think Paul is saying, because you are God's sons, because you are God's daughters, because you all belong to him, because he loves you so much, because he wants you to both fully know him and he wants to be fully known, because 
God wants you to know within the depths of your soul that you are seen, that you are loved, that you are valued, that you are fully known, then it's important that the Holy Spirit serves as a reminder of this truth that we are no longer slaves to sin or slaves to feeling unknown and forgotten, but we are reminded, we are assured that this love is real, that this love of God does exist, that Jesus does give us freedom in his life death, and resurrection. And and so we're grateful that the Holy Spirit reminds us of this truth. The assurance of the Holy Spirit reminds us that we are in right standing with and loved by God. Because we can so easily forget that, friends. The Holy Spirit gives us assurance. He assures us and guarantees and reminds believers that You no longer are a slave to sin. You have received new life in Christ. Set yourself free from that. Don't, Don't allow yourself to continue to be a slave to sin when you have been made free. The Holy Spirit's presence assures us that we have nothing to fear because we are God's children. I grew up with a lot of fear that I was gonna lose my salvation like I lose my keys. And I lose my keys a lot, so that would be a significant problem. I grew up with that fear. I prayed the prayer of salvation every single night because I was terrified that, that I did something that day that was gonna make me lose my salvation and I wasn't aware of it. Friends, the Holy Spirit is a reminder that that is not how God wants us to live. God wants us to live in the freedom, knowing that we are fully loved, fully accepted, and he loves us unconditionally. And this felt particularly profound to me this week, that the the Holy Spirit gives us assurance and reminds us of the victory that is coming when God's kingdom is fully realized. And so if we ever forget, which I do often, Less and less now, but still happens. The Holy Spirit is this living, breathing reminder that you and I are invited into this divine community of Father, Son, and Spirit. That does not put us on an equal playing field with Father, Son, and Spirit, okay? Hear that. But we are invited into this divine community. We are invited to participate in the work and the freedom that is found in the Father, Son, and the Spirit. And when we forget how loved we are, when we fail to see how loved we are, the Holy Spirit intercedes. And he calls out to God in the most intimate of ways, saying, Father, Father, remind them, remind me that I am your child, that I have been a part of your family now, and I am the I am now one who inherits the love and grace of God. And so what I found fascinating too was that part of Roman culture in which Paul is writing, it was necessary that that an adoption had a witness, that there had to be a witness present. And I just think it's so interesting then that, that in Paul's language, he is essentially saying that the Holy Spirit is that witness. And so anytime you feel like, I don't belong here, I don't deserve to be here, I'm not good enough to be here, I'm not worthy to be here, the Holy Spirit says, but God, but Jesus, 
and he reminds us. He's a living, breathing reminder that, as as one theologian put it, that God sent his son. And because you all are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, and that spirit calls out for us when we forget. I love that truth because, again, I said it a moment ago, but I have at times, I don't know about you, I would imagine that you relate that I have at times allowed my personal baggage to keep me from experiencing and enjoying full, abundant life found in Christ. I've let past sins and regrets and mistakes creep back in and make me feel like you are so unworthy to be where you are. I've allowed rejection that I've felt and experienced in my life to to creep in and, and, and then I start to believe that, well, God must reject me too. I too have allowed myself to live in this fear, as I said, that I might lose my salvation, that it might just get lost somewhere without me intending. I, I've lived with insecurities of, of not being good enough and sometimes that translates in my spiritual walk, in my walk with Christ, that, that I'm just not good enough. I've had my own reasons that keep me from crying father, that make me feel more like an outsider. And I'm so grateful for the relentless love of God that kept pursuing, that keeps pursuing. I'm so thankful that the Holy Spirit, as I have recognized his work in my life, as I have been taught to be aware of how he's working in my life, I can listen to him When he says, no, that's not who you are, this is who you are. And so what I'm trying to tell you is don't let your baggage, and this is really easier said than done, don't let your baggage, and that kind of means something different for all of us, but hopefully you know what I'm saying, don't let your baggage keep you from experiencing a full and free life found in Christ Jesus. We are meant to experience a rich, full, abundant life, not one that is rooted in guilt and shame and fear. So don't let any lies from the enemy keep you from living in that freedom because you are no longer a slave to sin or lies. You are a part of God's family. And so Paul goes on. That's kind of one component, and don't get scared. Like The second one wraps up pretty quickly. That's sort of one component that because of the Holy Spirit, we are reminded of the freedom in which we live. But I love how Paul doesn't leave it here. There's actually a lot more that Paul says that goes along with this, that this is where it begins, right? You cannot earn this. You do nothing to deserve it, right? It's a gift that is given to you. And that's where it begins. But then Paul goes on in the next chapter And beginning with verse 13, Paul says some important things. He says, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. Hear that. You were called to be free. But, and I I joke that Paul is known for his big buts (laughs) because he's got a lot of them and they're usually really important. His, His buts are really significant. I'm sorry. It's just true though. Do not use your freedom because now it's like, oh, freedom, yeah, freedom, do whatever we want. Paul says, do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. And and by the way, let's just pause right here and acknowledge that flesh does not mean that this is sinful by existence, 
right? We're not talking about this being sinful because it exists. We're talking about our flesh being used for purposes that don't bring us full life in Christ, okay? So if, if, if the flesh is not living in its freedom, then it's kind of flesh, the, the flesh that's gonna bring you down, kind of a flesh. It doesn't mean your, your flesh is sinful because it's flesh, okay? Don't use your freedom to indulge in the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love, For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping with this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. So in your freedom, you are now free to to experience the reality of being loved, accepted, welcomed into the family of God, even though you did nothing to deserve it, but also freedom to go and love others so that they can experience this reality themselves. Your relentless love Your reckless, at times seemingly reckless, gracious love points them to God's love. And so Paul is saying, your freedom is used for a purpose. Don't don't go the wrong way with this freedom. In verse 16, so I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit. We know this. We've all experienced this every day, right? Every day, choose Choose the the sugary sweets over what is good for you. That's the simplest, littlest example of the flesh crying out for what it wants that's not good for it. Simplest, most untheological example. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. That's not what this freedom is. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. And then I'll just wrap that up with verse 25. He says, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with this Spirit. That was a lot I just threw at you. So if you're feeling like it's a lot, it was. (laughs) It was a lot. But I think it's important to, to acknowledge that this freedom, this gracious love of Jesus, this being invited to be a part of the family of God, going from slaves to to sin, to freedom found in Christ. This is our reality, but this is what our reality means. I think that is an important follow-up. And Paul is saying in this next chapter that it's far too easy to confuse this freedom which he talks about. It's really easy, and I see this play out all the time, that it's, that it's easy to, to not hear this as freedom from sin, but freedom to sin in some cases because I'm free, right? It's, that's it. I'm done. I, I'm free. And Paul says, be careful that you understand what this freedom means. And, and I find it interesting, the more I thought about this, that the irony of sin and just doing whatever we want because it feels good, whatever we want, whenever we want, sometimes that being sin, that keeps us in conflict with living in freedom because sin seeks to bound. Even though you might think, well, I'm already free, why, you know, But sin keeps us bound. And so if we are still slaves and bound to sin, we can experience the full freedom of Christ. And so as we follow in the footsteps of Christ, we are to look more and more like him. We are to talk more and more like him. We are to live and and our lives ought to look more and more like him. And that will result in the shedding of sin. 
That will result in in different practices. That means there are some things that we will get rid of, that we will say no to, that we will turn away from, because that's how we experience the continuing freedom of Christ in our lives. In the Spirit, if you're thinking, that's a lot, and now you've just made me feel like I have to do this really big thing that I'm incapable of doing, the good news is that the Holy Spirit is the only one who can actually help us to live this out. You can try all you want, but then you're going to end up in this trap of the law having the say, and, and you're kind of a slave to the law then. But only freedom in the Spirit can help us to live this out day to day. We can't do it on our own. I really appreciate, just in case I uh, just threw all that out there and it landed nowhere, I appreciate one uh, commentator, John Frederick, who says, we are indeed children of the living God. We are children of the living God, as we've been saying. But transformation into the family resemblance of God and the Son by the Spirit doesn't occur by accident. Holiness doesn't happen on spiritual autopilot. No, we are sanctified by actively following in the footsteps of the faithful obedience of the Son. We do this not to earn our salvation, but to demonstrate it through how we live and to work out our salvation with fear and trembling only by the power that God provides through the Holy Spirit. This is is a lot. This is heavy stuff. But I think it's so important. And so as we bring this to a close, I, I just want to remind you, friends, that as we walk with the Holy Spirit, as we walk knowing that the Holy Spirit is in us, within us, that we have received by faith, we are now his temple. Paul says this a lot. We carry him around, we embody him, and that ought to make us look different. You ought to look different from the rest of the world. That doesn't mean we live some exclusive, separate part away from the world. It just means you walk in the world faithfully, but differently. You're going to look different. As you drive your kids to school, remember that you are carrying with you the Holy Spirit that seeks to to mold you and shape you as the parent just cut you off in the school pickup line. You got the Holy Spirit with you. What's he going to (laughs) do? How's the Holy Spirit going to respond to that? Is it going to be you or him? As you go to work every day and deal with difficult co-workers, remember the Holy Spirit is within you, empowering you to love them even when they're so difficult to love. As you go to school every day and, and encounter students who are difficult, as you encounter students, some of you teachers or fellow students who just kind of suck the life out of you, the Holy Spirit renews you and helps you to love them even when they are so hard to love sometimes. As we embark on new and unknown seasons, the Holy Spirit is with us, showing us how to navigate. As we face tragedy and pain, the Holy Spirit is with us, helping to comfort us and give us strength. As we go to the grocery store and want to take out the fact that our $250 grocery bill is somehow the cashier's fault, let us remember through the power of the Holy Spirit that it's not, and that they're struggling to accept that reality too. And so I'm going to love them in the midst of my despair at my bill. 
as we give ourselves away in relationships and, and as we deal with difficulties in our relationships, as we understand that people are really hard to love and walk with sometimes, the Holy Spirit empowers us to keep loving them. As we make decisions, as we do everything, you get the point, friends. The Holy Spirit is in you, helping you to live and experience full, the fullness of Christ in every area of your life. And so I'm going to invite the praise team to come. And, and again, this was a lot. But, but how I kind of want to bring it to a close and, and kind of how I want to leave you with all of this that I just dropped on you is I want to just testify this morning that as a, as a Christian, mostly, I'm speaking as a pastor too, but certainly as a Christian for most of my life, I have seen where other Christians struggle on both ends of, of the spectrum of what we're talking about today. I've seen Christians who just fail to live in this freedom, kind of quest, constantly questioning their belonging. And at times I've been one of them, okay? But I see that, that there's always this fear that like, oh, God doesn't love me anymore. Oh, I'm going to lose my salvation like I lose my keys. And, and I've seen Christians struggle to really fully live in abundant freedom because there's this constant questioning of their belonging. And in the same way, on the other end, I've seen other Christians not living in their freedom, but in doing so in that they're not living in freedom from sin and living as though nothing has really changed. And so what I want you to kind of walk away with today is this reminder that the Holy Spirit is a living, breathing reminder of our freedom and belonging, and he helps us to experience freedom from sin. And so I want to ask you as we close, what kind of freedom does the Holy Spirit want you to experience today? What kind of freedom is he inviting you to experience more of today? And then as you think about that and pray about that, I want to challenge you to take a next step of, of how does the Holy Spirit want to use you to help others experience and see this freedom for themselves? How can you point them to Jesus as they struggle to live in this kind of freedom? And so God, we just acknowledge once again that this is, is, is heavy material and there's so much that we could say, and, and there are so many different ways of looking at, at these verses, these passages. But God, ultimately, we know that, that your word is, is consistent, that, that you have made that first step, that you were the one to come to us when we were lost in our sin. We were the outsider, and you came and you invited us to become children of God, you, be, you invited us to, to be those who receive the inheritance regardless of our status. And God, you invite us to experience freedom that's only found in you, but your word is also consistent in that you invite us through the power of the Holy Spirit to experience freedom from sin, that we don't have to live as slaves to sin. But God, a lot of times we just, I think, don't believe that that's true for us. I think we don't give you enough credit. We don't get in those uncomfortable places where we can really watch you move in powerful ways. And so God, I just pray that you would do that here and now. 
God, I just pray that as we wrestle with these tensions, that you would help us to see what freedom it is that you want us to experience right here, right now. God, help us as we continue to wrestle with these things, even after we leave here. God, help us to walk in that freedom, to walk in step with the Spirit so that we can grow to look more and more like Jesus. And we know that you'll help us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can stand if you're able. We're going to sing. I just wanted to uh, read this briefly, this passage really, I think, This verse really beautifully illustrates everything that Pastor Nicole was talking about. This is from Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11 through 14. It says, In him, it's talking about Christ, we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also... When you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, get this, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Amen. Um, I just think it's beautiful. As Pastor Nicole was speaking, it struck me that the beauty of the Holy Spirit the forgotten God, if you will, is that even though we have often, often forgotten him, he has not forgotten us. And I think that assurance of the Holy Spirit, who is our seal of salvation, is the reason why we can stand here today and sing, it is well. Amen? So let that be an encouragement to you as we sing these words to just celebrate in the midst of all the emotions and all the things that it, the Holy Spirit is the one who gives us the strength. Amen. Amen. Let's sing together.
as we go throughout these next few days and weeks. God, I pray that for those who find it incredibly hard to say today that it is well, that your abounding grace would give us a peace that we can't explain and that would help us to experience your strength and your love and your truth so that we can proclaim these things. But God, we recognize that we can only do that through you. And God, I just thank you for the hope that you continue to give us. We cling to your hope and your strength these next several days. And we pray this in the name of Jesus, who is able. Amen. Amen. Friends, I know you just sat down, but I'm going to invite you to stand as I share this benediction with you. My prayer for you, I've been praying this for you all morning, all week. My prayer is that you would go in the grace and peace and power of our Lord and Savior. That you would go and that you would walk in step with the Spirit who wants you to experience real abundant freedom in Christ. Go in His grace you are dismissed. Have a beautiful day. Happy Mother's Day, moms.